doing this. I love sharing this. The shadow of the Almighty. It takes some object to produce a shadow. And it says here, the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, there can't be a shadow unless there's something between the light and what's making the shadow. And I've shared this a thousand times. Let's do it again this morning. The light of God, the light of heaven, being always eternity behind us, is Christ. He's the light. He's the only light that's ever existed. And he, the light of God, has always shined from heaven onto the sacrifice that he would come and be and provide for us. The, the, the shadow of the Most High was the light of heaven that shined on the sacrifice of Christ that would one day be and everything behind in the Old Testament was a type and shadow of where God was dwelling in type and shadow in this where the blood was poured on the mercy seat uh, uh, on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Under the cherub wings, there was a shadow. And that shadow was produced by the Almighty. The Almighty dwelt in that place. And the light from heaven shined on that place. And the day that Christ came and gave himself on Calvary's cross, and the light had always shined on the cross of Christ and made a shadow behind it, of all that would one day be right here at the cross, when Jesus came and died on the cross, the light that he is and had always been shined through onto everything in the past. The old covenant then became a great, the great revelation of the one who is the light. Everything that had been the shadow now became light. So let's watch this again. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. If you're going to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you're going to be found abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And that means your heart was all wrapped up in what took place under that shadow of the Almighty. I hope you're getting this today. I hope you're understanding a little bit more of how precious the sacrifice of Christ really is and should be to us. And it's why the new, the, the, the Proverbs 19, rather, verse 23 says, the fear of the Lord tends to life. The fear of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Amen. The secret of the Lord. Listen, this, we, I've seen titles of books about the secret place. The secret place is Calvary of revealed in Christ on the cross. That's the secret place. It's not some secret place in, in your closet or in your he shed or she shed or man cave or whatever. Those, those places are good for your communion and your worship, but it's not the spiritual secret place. The secret place, my friend, is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. That's the secret place. That's the secret of God. 
And it's been revealed in the person and the work, the life, and then the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Hallelujah. This is the secret that you must have. And the Bible here in Proverbs 19 and 23 says, it's the fear of the Lord that tends to life. No wonder Nehemiah said, we have a desire to fear your name. No wonder the psalmist said, teach us to fear the Lord. No wonder the Lord through the psalmist said, come and I will teach you the fear of of the Lord. It's the Lord's. You, you and I don't have any value of God unless it's coming through our faith in Christ and Him crucified, which was the manifestation of Christ's value of God. I want to say that again. No one has ever feared God the way that the perfect man feared God. He is the epitome, if you will. He's the perfection of what it means to fear the Lord, fear God, value his worth. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane might have asked a couple of times, is there any way around this? Is there any way this cup can be taken from my hand? But the answer came from his own heart in that not my will, but thy will. And Jesus, the Bible says, Peter wrote it for us, that while he was reviled, he reviled not back. While he was threatened and being and, and, and suffering to a way that we can't fathom with our minds, he, he did not threaten back. He did not revile back, but he trusted, committed himself to the one who judges righteously. In Hebrews uh, chapter 5, let's go look at this this morning. Hebrews 5 and verse 7 says this, talking about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, while he was on the earth in his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death was heard in that he feared. Get this now. He, he was hurt. His prayer, the Bible, hallelujah to the Lamb. The Bible says that Christ was heard in that, in that he feared. And I've never really thought about this before, but it's a true statement. We can bear it out in much scripture, and that's this that it is the fear of the Lord. It is, remember Isaiah eleven two. it is an attribute, it is one of the workings and experiences of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a Christian who has their faith in the sacrifice of Christ. If, 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 the, if the working of the fear of the Lord, not fearing God, fearing the Lord, but the fear of the Lord is a work of the Holy Spirit, then we know our faith has to have been at least initially when we were born again in the death of Jesus because no one else receives the Holy Spirit. So outside of being in Christ saved through believing in his death for the forgiveness of of our sins, there is not going to be a fear of the Lord because it is of the Spirit of the Lord. 
In Isaiah 11:2, I keep saying that, hoping you'll write it down. You'll go look at it, not just listen to some preacher somewhere telling you something. You're just taking it all in. If you're doing that with me, you probably do it with anybody. So take notes. Go look these things up for yourself so that you can't be moved away from the focus of what God wants you to focus on, which is the only thing he's focused on as it's pertaining to men and the redemption he's offered them. Hallelujah. So watch this now. The fear of the Lord tends to life. The fear of the Lord, your value of the Lord, the worth that you're giving God. We can stand around all day long and say worthy is the lamb and then go live like the devil. We can come to church two or three times a week saying worthy is the lamb, just like Israel feared God, but they also feared other gods. Israel, the Bible says, feared God, but they disobeyed God. It says it in plain English. I mean, in 2 Kings chapter 17, you read it when we're done, and you'll be amazed if you didn't listen to the last session. Please go do that. The fear of the Lord tends to life. It's the fear of the Lord that tends to life. And this is why the fear of the Lord is, is the value of God's worth. Jesus was heard when he was praying in that he feared, in that he valued God's plan, which included his death for the sins of humanity. He, he was heard in that he feared. He valued the plan of God, not my will, but thy will. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He, Jesus, humbled himself in a perfect humility and became obedient in a perfect obedience unto death, which was the perfect death, the perfect sacrifice that God offered to perfect all those that would believe upon him, the one he offered on Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. My goodness, if this doesn't excite you, then you might need to ask God to help you learn the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because if you do, he's going to start pointing you to Calvary. Because there and only there can you learn the fear of the Lord, the value of God's worth. And every person on the planet gives God an est in our own hearts. We estimate the value of God's worth. And we're either doing that based on the word of God in its righteous context, which will allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the fear of the Lord, or we're doing it through some other avenue. And that's why it's not what it should be. That's why our attention on him is not what it should be. That's why we're found limited in our spiritual growth because we're limiting the one who can bring about the spiritual growth. That's, that's powerful and it's true. So watch this again now. The fear of the Lord tends to life and he that has it shall abide satisfied. Are you ready to abide satisfied? Are you ready to abide satisfied? He shall not be visited with evil. Let's look the word visited up together this morning and see what it means. He shall not be visited with evil. Let's look here and see. It means that he's going to be untouched from trouble. He's going to be protected from harm. He's not going to be charged with evil. He's not going to be visited. Listen, in the fear of the Lord, 
is a strong confidence. Get this now. Let's let's turn over to, let's go back a few chapters. Proverbs 14, I think it is, verse 26 and 27. Watch now the beauty of learning the fear of the Lord. Because as I've said, people fear God and do things the Bible says to do, but it's because of a wrong fear. And that's why they can be found in that place fearing, fear, fearing God, but also living in the world as they're a part of the world. Because fearing God is not the same as the fear of the Lord. It's proved in the Bible because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And Israel feared God, but they didn't hate evil because they served false gods. At the same time, they feared God. They feared other gods, and they were commanded not to fear other gods. You'll see all that in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 32 through the rest of that chapter. Hope you took a note there. 2 Kings 17, thir verses 32 through the rest of that chapter there. You'll see that there. How there is a difference between fearing God and having the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. It's very important you know this. Watch this in Proverbs 14. Uh, yes, Proverbs chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. In, 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 the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is going to give you the experience of the Lord as your refuge. That strong confidence. We're not talking about a cave in the mountain or a shack in the hills of Montana. We're talking about strong confidence in the Lord is your place of refuge, but this strong confidence in the Lord is produced by the fear of the Lord, which again commands us to understand and to know that this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. How else do we know? Let's keep reading the next verse in Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Who is our life? Jesus said he is the life. There is no other. He's our fountain of life because he poured his blood out as the fountain that allows us to drink freely. Jesus said, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life within you. Hallelujah. He is our fountain of life. Listen, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord, our value properly placed on God, which can only be done through faith in his son and his son's work on the cross. That's where we find the fountain of life pouring out unto us. Watch, to depart from the snares of death. When you trusted in the death of Jesus for the 
salvation of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, your entrance into the kingdom of God, into Christ, to, to be forgiven, to be made new in Christ Jesus, to be justified, to, for, to be at peace with God now. And, and the list is forever, eternally long, but you tasted of this fountain of life. At the same time, you were being delivered from the snares of death. The death that was caused by sin. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To hear that makes me immediately have to say, Lord, teach me the fear of the Lord. I need this fountain of life, hallelujah. His name is Jesus. The fountain is his blood, glory be to God. I was, I, I was delivered, I departed from the snare, the trap of death because Jesus crushed the head of the one who had the power of death in his own death on Calvary's tree, hallelujah. Glory be to God. My goodness, this is good. Back to Proverbs 19. I hope you're taking notes and that you'll look at these things on your own time later. The fear of the Lord tends to life because in it you received a strong confidence of the Lord. He became your refuge. In it you find the fountain of life. Amen. It, the fear of the Lord tends to life because it is a, a fountain of life that allowed you to depart from death. You and I were dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead. We weren't just in a world of darkness. The book of Ephesians tells us that we were the darkness, my friend. We were sin. We were sinners. We were the sins that we were committing. We weren't just committing sins. What we were committing in our lost state is who we were. We were sinners committing sins of who we were. So when we get saved by trusting in the death, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, O Calvary's cross, it's not just forgiveness of all that we've ever done that's sinful. It's forgiveness of who we were. And it's a deliverance from death, which is who we were. You were dead. You were death. In your sins. My goodness. We were dead, but we've been delivered. We've escaped from the snares of death through this fountain of life. And the fear of the Lord is this fountain of life. The fear of the Lord, my friends, is where we experience this fountain of life and this escape, even not just our initial deliverance from death, but get this, our moment-by-moment moment escape from the reaches of death. Remember, the child of God can be dead. Paul said, I was alive once without the law. That means when he was born again. Get that. Don't listen to these folks that talk Paul, uh, that teach Paul was talking about uh, that was before he was saved. No, no, no. He was never alive with or without the law until he believed on Christ. He was dead in his sins without Christ. And the law never made him alive. So he said, I was alive once without the law. This is Romans chapter 7, verse 9. I was alive once without the law. 
But when the commandment came, the sin nature, the word sin there, sin revived, that's the noun, that's the old man, that's the sin nature, revived and I died. That means he began to walk in an unfruitful place. Get this now. He admitted, I couldn't do what I know I should have done. I couldn't stop doing what I know I shouldn't have been doing. But then the revelation of the cross came to Paul. He said, thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That means through faith in his death. The church of Sardis was told by Jesus through the apostle John, you're dead. Think about that. Born again, spirit-filled, Busy about the things of God, but Jesus says to them in the letter through John, the church of Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, you have a name that you're alive. You have this appearance that you're alive. You got a lot going on, but you're dead. Dead. And the church of Galatia, chapter Galatians 5, verses 1 through 4, Paul has to tell them, rather the Holy Spirit through Paul tells them, you've fallen from grace. You're you're no longer functioning by grace. This is a dead place. This is a place where now works can only be dead works and faith is not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ because if it was, they wouldn't be being told they'd fallen from grace. Sardis wouldn't be told they're dead if they were living by the faith of the Son of God who loved them and gave himself for them. Think about that. So the fear of the Lord tends to life and the fear of the Lord is our escape from death. Not just initial being dead in sins and on our way to hell, but now it's our escape, it's our escape moment by moment from the sin nature who can revive and dominate us even through good things that we're doing if that's what our faith is in. But when our faith from our heart is deliberately in the death of Jesus. And you're, you're accepting your assigned and designated place as a child of God as to forever be beholding the Lamb. Then you've accepted the truth that God, the Holy Spirit, always delivers us unto death you say, well, I, I've never heard that. I, I don't hear preachers preaching on that. Well, your Lord wants to know why they're not. Well, how do you know? Who are you? I'm just somebody that loves the truth. That's all, but I've got a Bible right here, and it's truth, and I value it more than I do my own thoughts or opinions or any other preachers in the world. God says that his spirit delivers us who are alive always unto death. And you say, it's for Jesus' sake, the Bible says, so that we can, if that's where our faith is, we can express this Jesus his life in and through these mortal bodies. Get this now. Why hadn't I heard this? Why, why do I not know this? Why am I doubting that? Because I don't understand the secret and the true secret place. My friend, the Bible says God the Holy Spirit delivers his people always unto death. That means the first view in every situation is the sacrifice of Christ and you being sacrificed there 
crucified rather not we we weren't let's let's get this right today we weren't sacrificed with Christ. We were crucified with him. He was sacrificed for us. We were crucified with him. That means he represented us there as the last Adam. And because we were all dead, he died for all. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. And because he died for all, we realize all were dead. And there's where our judgment remains right there. And the Bible says there in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, that's the way that we're constrained because that is our judgment. The love of Christ constrains us, holds us the course, holds us together, hallelujah, keeps us, glory be to God, because that's our judgment and that's our judgment because that's our view. Behold the Lamb. Behold if you're not, listen, if you're not constantly viewing the Lamb, what he did for you at Calvary, then you are not seeing what the Holy Spirit is delivering you to, and therefore there is no way that you and I can go from glory to glory without beholding this glorious image that we're being changed into. And you know, the Lord's really been impressing on my heart lately is when people say, why do y'all have to always talk about the cross? Why, why do you think that you always have to talk about being turned over unto death? My friend, the, one, the main reason is because it's in the Bible. And another reason is, is because that's where everything happens. That's where everything began. That's where everything is happening and that's where everything will be finished. In the same place Jesus finished it on the cross. I hope you, you know, while the church screams out, why do you think you have to always talk about the cross and us being delivered unto death? My friends, you're God. If you're a Christian, you're God. Your Lord wants to know why you're not listening to these things always because it is scripture and if we're not looking it also proves 2 Corinthians 4.11 proves that if we're not looking at everything in our lives as it is reflected from the lamb's sacrifice for us we're not seeing everything properly not ourselves not our families not our situations not anything we're either beholding the lamb and the reflection that is there. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, as in a mirror, a reflection. Again, the people, the church today, well, why do you always think you have to bring the cross into everything? Because God brings the cross into everything. That's where he delivers you to Every moment of your being, child of God, Job 7, 18 says that he tries us every moment. Where do you think it is he's trying us? Oh, you thought it was at home with your spouse or on your job with Sister Bucket Mouth. You, you thought it was in the church with Miss Big Hairdo that's all, oh, no, no, no. There's one place that you're tried. 
And that's at Calvary because that's where your Lord is delivering you unto always for Jesus' sake. You want to find living your life for Jesus' sake? You got to be beholding the cross of Christ, the death of Jesus. You got to be beholding that at all times. And we wonder how we could have got so far off track to make excuses for preachers that won't point there always, won't speak on it always. Won't You know why they're not seeing it in the scriptures? Because it's not what they're beholding. And if they're not beholding it, they're sure not going to be preaching it. Paul, this is why Paul said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. When will we stop letting money and people and positions and fame, denominations that men made up, rule our lives, cr- control us, keep squeezing the life out of us? When will we return to the place where we're all beholding the Lamb and allowing Him to be the very life of our families, our ministries, where the unity can be real unity, the unity of the faith of the Son of God. The fear of the Lord tends to the life who is the Lord. And he that has it shall abide satisfied. Are you abiding satisfied? We're coming into the Christmas season, my friend. This is December the 11th, a couple more weeks. Uh, what is it? be Christmas, two weeks from today. Do you know millions of people, Christians, people that claim to know God, claim to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, go through the Christmas season grieving and mourning and sad and really oppressed. And it's because they either don't know They have to continue to behold the Lamb always because that's what their God is delivering them unto always or they're refusing to. Most all of the oppression during the holidays is based on what we don't have in the sense of this world's mammon. What we don't have based on what the neighbors have. What we didn't get to do based on what the neighbors got to do. What our ministries don't have that other ministries have. It's all based, for the most part, it's based on mammon. Or even if it's, listen, even if the oppression is due to having lost loved ones in your life. Behold the Lamb. There is no other answer from heaven other than the lamb that was slain to receive all the riches and the glory and the honor and all the praise, all that God has to offer you. The lamb was slain to receive so that he could distribute unto you all that you need moment by moment. Every moment, God is trying you. Job said that in in chapter 7, verse 17 and 18. Do you think that's just Old Testament scripture and it's not for the New Testament? 
if our God wasn't trying us every moment, he wouldn't always be delivering, he wouldn't always be delivering us every moment to the death of Christ. But he has to because that's for Jesus' sake so that we'll remember that's where we died and became the new creation, the only part of us that can express Christ. What's in the cross? What's in the death of Jesus? A new creation. And anything that's a part of the new creation will never perish. So there's your answer for what's in the cross. It's the new creation. And anything that's the new creation will never perish. Praise be to God. The fear of the Lord tends to life. The fear of the Lord tends, maintains the life you have in Christ Jesus. And he that has it, he's going to abide satisfied right through the Christmas holidays, whether he's sitting at home looking out his window, maybe wishing he could get together with family, maybe wishing he, he, he'd had a family, but thanking God that he's got Christ Jesus who is his life right there. Right there in that state of being by yourself without somebody, knowing that with Christ you have everything that you need. Look at that place your God is delivering you to and you'll see the beauty of his holiness, the great the great substance of his grace and mercy. Look at that that he is delivering you unto and you'll find yourself being changed into that by the Spirit of the Lord going from glory to glory, walking and beholding the Lamb on this journey we've been given with our Savior all the way to the finish line. My goodness, it's been a great session today. It's been a great lesson today. I hope that your heart has been touched by the Holy Spirit, that he's been able to knock on the door of your heart with these great truths and, and that you would allow him to penetrate into your heart these great truths so that your heart can be full of his joy and you can find your feet on the path that he has set before you. Oh, behold the Lamb, my friends. Behold the Lamb, my friends. There you'll see the God that loves you and is with you and that has prepared for you an eternity with him. And it all begins right now in this very moment right here. And he wants you to know these things. There will have to be changes made. There will always have to be changes made. As he makes interchanges, he expects us to walk in certain changes on the outside that will always require repentance. God, I'm sorry for making this something I shouldn't have. God, I'm sorry for looking at everything other than what you put before me to look at. God, I'm sorry I'm returning to the heart of worship, your heart, with the new heart you gave me to worship as I behold the Lamb. Praise be to God. I'm so thankful you found us on social media somewhere, and I encourage you to help publish the word of the Lord. 
to a lost world and a very much backslidden church that's looking at everything other than the Lamb. Share these teachings on social media, however, wherever you can do that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And just because I'm not a part of some local assembly that you're a part of doesn't mean that you can't share these teachings. We don't need to have a competitive spirit. We need to be where the Lamb is the focus. And we need to be sharing the, the teaching sessions and the messages that are all focused on the cross of Christ. There's where we need to be, and there's where we need to be publishing what's being taught. The focus of the Lamb, praise be to God. I encourage you, pray for this ministry as we surely pray that the Lord's touch be upon everything that's pertaining to you. And let me say this, God has done amazing things in your life and today is another day that he can do more amazing things in your life through the imparting of his grace, multiplying of his grace and peace into your heart, into your heart and upon all that pertains to you. If the Lord stirs your heart to sow into the ministry here by giving him an offering, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word give to the number 903 231-5950 and a special thank you to all of those of you who are helping us put expositors study Bibles into the hands of the inmates across this land. Ten every week. We just passed the 2700 mark. That's good for a little local church and all of those who are involved in that. You can do that at, 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 at simply texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. One of the uh, uh, opportunities there is Bibles to inmates. It takes $40 to put a Bible into the hand of an inmate. So I encourage you, pray about that. And I know the Lord will guide you properly. Praise the Lord. I love you. The Lord loves you. And I love sitting around God's word with those that love his truth. Praise the Lord. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.